Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on technology and society. I'm Jay Boisseau, the executive director and founder of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. And I'm very pleased to be bringing back to the podcast a good friend of mine, Paul O'Brien of MediaTech Ventures. Paul, thanks for joining. Jay, I'm so happy to be back. How are you doing? I, I'm doing good. My voice is a little raspy from uh, uh, all the conversations during South by Southwest Interactive, but it, and, and of course the allergies in Austin have got me down a little bit, but other than that, I feel pretty good. No excuses necessary. I'm sure everyone in Austin and everyone who's spent the last week and a half at South by Southwest is feeling the exact same thing. So bear with us as we have a good conversation this morning, everybody. And we're going to have a good conversation about South by Southwest Interactive in particular. South by Southwest, the overall festival, continues with music and film, also big, important parts of South by Southwest. But this podcast is going to be focused on hopefully useful, maybe even actionable information for decision makers, for companies, for organizations, and for individuals based on Paul and I's observations of things that we saw at this year's South by Southwest Interactive. Before we get into all that, Paul, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? This is my, well, to be frank, I think I've lost count. This is my 16th South by Southwest. Uh, I used to come frequently thanks to my time in Silicon Valley. Yes, yes, everyone, my time in Silicon Valley. However, I've been in Austin for about 14 years now. Uh, my work is what's considered venture development, happens to be in media technology. Venture development refers to working in cities and governments and working with VCs to help develop healthy startup ecosystems where entrepreneurs can thrive. We run a lot of incubators throughout the world to help do that. And so as you might imagine, in media tech, that means music tech and film tech and video games and innovation, of course, we do a lot during South by Southwest. I have been on since Monday last week, thanks to EDU, which was also fantastic. And so as we were rolling into Interactive this, this year, I got to admit, I was a little tired already, but I had a great time. You know, I've never actually been to South by Southwest EDU. I hear good things about it, and it seems like it might be growing in importance and relevance, but I've never actually been to that myself. If, if, there, was, if there was a big takeaway from South by Southwest this year, everything blended a lot more. Uh, the interactive uh, activities actually started around Tuesday or Wednesday, which is unusual, while EDU was still in town. And I, and I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but it was kind of neat to, to experience the universities and the colleges that were in town, while at the same time getting out for some of the tech stuff. And, and it's blending not only in the, on the front end, but it blended quite a bit on the back end, that, that all the way through Wednesday, and even, uh, even this morning, there are some tech things going on in downtown Austin that are worth considering. Well, let's talk a little bit about South by Southwest interactive big picture before we dive into some of the technology observations and such, just to set the stage, not just for our listeners who couldn't attend, but even to set the stage for the ones who can, because, you know, as you and I know, you can only go to 1% of the content of South by Southwest interactive. There's that many sessions and things and activations and other things to go to. It's just it's just impossible to go to more than a, maybe a few percent of all the content. This is this is the one show in the world where we advise everyone to not worry about FOMO, not worry about fear of missing out. You 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 prep in advance by putting together a bit of a schedule of the things that you hope to see and that you want to see and that you must see. And then once you arrive in Austin, once you arrive downtown for South by Southwest, you kind of just go with it. Because if you're concerned that you're missing something else that's exciting, trust me, you are. Don't worry about it. Enjoy the moments. Enjoy the people you're having a conversation with. Enjoy the panel or the experience that you're having at that time. 
because that's all you can really do at South by Southwest. You're going to miss almost everything otherwise. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. That was the hardest part of me years ago in going to South by Southwest. And in fact, I didn't like the conference at first, but for the wrong reasons, I realized the FOMO was getting the best of me. I'm a little OCD, as my friends will confirm. And so I you know, would make these schedules and such and have to miss a whole bunch of things that were happening concurrently. But I learned that the beauty of South by Southwest is you can put together a great program of things to see. And then all the serendipitous things that may may step on some of those are so good as well that it's not about what you miss. It's about how much can you make of this, you know, several day experience at South Interactive. And the answer to that question is a lot. So and that's and that's the best advice that everyone should take away. That I, I had a conversation easily a dozen times in the past week about the fact that we shouldn't neglect that interactive is such an incredible experience in Austin during South by Southwest because of film and music and video games, because of the culture, because of the arts. It's the, it's, it's the entertainment side of what has brought, been brought forth by South by Southwest that, that pulls the entire world to Texas for a week and a half. And, and, and yes, there are some wonderful panels. I missed the panel with Robert Downey Jr. talking about cybersecurity. How on earth did that get come together? I don't know. I really, really wanted to see it. I can answer I that question. Oh, ah, wonderful. That yeah. Wonderful. All right. All right. So, jump, jump in. How was it? Let's start there. Because, so, because imagine everyone, Robert Downey Jr. is moderating a panel on cybersecurity. That's South by Southwest. Yeah. So it's not a panel I would have normally gone to, but I saw Robert Downey Jr. was presenting and he's one of the, you know, if I could have a beer with three celebrities, uh, one would be Robert Downey Jr. And of course, Ryan Reynolds would be one. And Jake Johnson, who also spoke and I also saw at South by Southwest, that would be that'd probably be those three. That seems like it'd be the most fun. Um, he was very charming. He very Robert Downey Jr. But he invested in a cybersecurity company called Aura, A-U-R-A. And Aura is putting together a, or has put together a suite of cybersecurity services to protect you against cyber theft. And they shared that personal cyber theft uh, was twice as big an economic hit as physical burglary to individuals last year. So cyber theft is way on the rise. And so they're trying to make it simpler to put together everything from VPNs to password lockers to uh, anti-phishing tools to antivirus tools to all of the tools that you might need to keep your online experience safe. So it, it was funny. He he, he talked, it, mostly he asked questions, but he's an investor in that company. So it's a company he believes in. And uh, that's why he was the moderator. And of which, course, he's a face of it too. <laughs> he's the face of it, which which of course, if you noticed this week, Ryan Reynolds got a tremendous offer to buy out of, of Mint Mobile. So, so we're certainly entering an era of celebrities in tech to a much greater extent than used to be the case. Of course, Folks like Ashton Kutcher and, and so forth yeah. were involved in the internet in, in some of the early days. And that's always kind of fun to see. But I, I think we're discovering that a lot more of these faces want to be involved in innovation and entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. That's why I, I, I'm a little disappointed I missed that talk in particular. But but otherwise, as we're saying, it's the reason I missed it is there was so much more going on. You just got to kind of roll with the flow, enjoy the moment that you're in and have a good time. Yeah, you totally took me out of the flow of this podcast by bringing up Robert Downey Jr. Because there was no way I was not going to see Iron Man slash Tony Stark slash Robert Downey Jr. Uh, presented this. But let's get back to the big picture. Um, South by Southwest, of course, the last huge one was in 2019. And then in 2020, 
it was canceled roughly a week before it was scheduled to start due to the COVID pandemic. Uh, last year was kind of a small South by Interactive by South by standards. This year, my understanding is it was about three quarters the size, which means huge, it just doesn't mean mega huge like it was in 2019. How did it feel to you? Uh, how did the the size and scale feel and how did the vibe feel to you in this, I would argue, first big one coming back, even if not 2019 levels? You know, I might I might characterize it differently, given given that you've given us a little bit of history, which I think is accurate, that that for, for everyone who hasn't been, I'd characterize 2019 as, as big brands. There were, there were massive activations throughout all of Austin. It, it, to, to a great extent, you had to get on a bus to get to, to some of the things that were going on, thanks to a lot of the entertainment brands, a lot of the automotive brands that were here in 2019. It was that big. And, and that gave us, that, that's what leads us to some estimations that there are 200,000 people coming to, to Austin for South by Southwest. Back in 2018, 2019, that was conceivably reasonably accurate. 2022, last year, uh, felt intimate would be the word that I would use. It, it, it almost felt like it was back to a lot of the grassroots in Austin because rainy and the houses were full of, uh, were, were full of great experiences and great events. Of course, there was a lot of live music on 6th Street. Uh, and, and Interactive was a small series of talks uh, much, much more attended by uh, U.S. attendees than international folks because of that, you know, that coming out of the quarantine and I think folks' hesitation to participate. This this year was absolutely, I, I could agree with you, it was absolutely around 75% of what it used to be, but I would refer to it as, as on one hand, compact. And on the other hand, actually much more focused on the entertainment side. Uh, many folks aren't familiar with the fact that Penske Media Group which owns Hollywood Reporter and Billboard Magazine. They acquired a big stake of, of South by Southwest about a year and a half ago. And so I think we're starting to see some of the, the outcomes of that acquisition or their involvement in South by, that we're going to get a much heavier, much bigger presence from the film and the music and even the video game community uh, going forward. And we're going to continue to see interactive focus more on the talks and the panels. And by compact, what I mean is that what it felt like when we were out in the city of Austin this year, there wasn't as much going on. There, there weren't as many activations, uh, assuredly. And I think that drew a lot more people into the convention center and the Hilton Hotel and those kind of venues for, for some big discussions that were going on. Just to be clear, there wasn't as much going on as in 2019. There were still a lot of places like the Slack activation, the Dell experience venue and things like that. But I, but I agree, it used to be a crazy number. And this year it was a, high, it was a very manageable number of activations. Yeah, you, it, it, it used, <laughs> that's right. It, it, it used to be that you couldn't go a half a block without running into something else substantial, that's uh, right. but, but, but you're right. There was, I, I, I saw a very intimate talk this, this year and I was on a panel this year uh, with Fortress in the cybersecurity and metaverse space. And, and it was on, it was on Congress. And, and unless you knew it was there, you wouldn't know it was taking place. And so you're right. There were a lot of activations throughout the city. Uh, but it was it was I would I don't I wouldn't use the word subdued as much as I'd use fewer major activations and then a lot more personal conversations, which to be honest is I think what was the real value of South by Southwest this year. A lot more personal, meaningful conversations with the attendees that were starting to come back and really want to get back into the thick of things for interactive. Yeah. Um so let, let's talk a little bit about some of the technologies. And it's interesting that when people ask me what my favorite talk was. It wasn't a technology talk. 
It was the opening talk with Simranjit Singh, who I'd never heard of, sharing Sikh philosophy about radical connectedness and uh, developing empathy, even for your foes or enemies or people on the other side of an issue is you through this uh, kind philosophy of radical connectedness. And it was just, I thought, wow, what a great way to kick off South by Southwest, bringing, you know, tens of thousands of people from around the world. By the way, half of Brazil was there and they cheered every time that was mentioned by a speaker. Um, it was an incredible global community. And I thought, wow, what a, what a great uh, kickoff. In fact, I ordered his book, uh, during his keynote, I was so impressed. But but then I went to primarily uh, tech talks, and I, I want to get your take on what technologies you think were covered well and comprehensively this year, and how that is a perhaps forecaster for what our listeners should learn, adopt, integrate into their companies, uh, make sure they're at, uh, evaluating at the very least at the cutting edge of what did which technology coverage. Uh, topics did you were you really most impressed by? Believe it or not, I I would encourage your listeners to take a look at the articles that are going to come out in the next few weeks about South by Southwest. Take a look at the articles that are focused around what what I'd consider more accessible tech. That the more interesting conversations that were a part of that I was a part of had to do with uh, music technology, had to do with with ad tech and, and marketing technology, that I, I, I feel like we're in an era of innovation in which uh, roughly 10%, 5% of the world is pulling us into, pulling us into AI, pulling us into blockchain, pulling us into NFTs, pulling us into cryptocurrency. And there were a lot of those talks, but they're pulling us there in the sense that it's, it, it's just forward enough that we're not really ready to, to have those conversations. We don't really want to have those conversations yet. It's just intriguing and it's interesting. And, and the reason I say we don't really want to have those conversations yet is that what I found this year is most people really just wanted to figure out how to make the music industry work. Most people I found really just wanted to figure out what to do with the film industry and the fact that independent film and cities throughout the world are becoming much more vibrant as creator communities. What do we do about that with technology and how do we monetize that? Uh, technology is as simple as HubSpot had some neat talks, you know, about the, the forward looking direction that HubSpot is going with, with AI, granted, but in a very pragmatic sense. How do we use a CRM as a business person? How do we use a CRM much, much more effectively in a social media driven era? We do that with, we do that with AI, which is not an AI thing. It's realizing how we take what we have today and make it much more meaningful. Those are the talks I enjoyed the most uh, in technology. But but I'd even add I'd even add to be honest what was what was more exciting for me personally this year and I, I what I what I prefer to stress for everybody is that the international interest in South by Southwest this year was just astounding, both in terms of people wanting to be a part of Austin and other countries and other places wanting to learn from Austin, learn from innovation at South by Southwest and bring that back to the rest of the world. I, I have experienced that to such an extent in, in a great many years with South by Southwest. That's what really has me excited about the fact that we're coming into a new era as a global economy. And that's what I would encourage people to pay attention to. Yeah, it was certainly the case that uh, the international attendance was high. In fact, Hugh announced it as being the highest percentage 
it's ever been for South by Southwest. So I appreciated that. It sounds like you and I went to completely different talk tracks, which is not surprising since there are thousands of talks during South by uh, Interactive. But I went to uh, talks on AI, on cybersecurity and digital identity and trust, on uh, metaverse, on gaming. I went to a large number of talks on quantum computing, which is an area that I'm deeply interested in. And Capital Factory in Austin always hosts a South by Southwest house there with their own set of talks. And they had a quantum day. And I thought that was fascinating. Everybody was very pragmatic. They're optimistic about the future, but pragmatic about the timescales for getting there. Um, so I was, was very impressed with the quantum computing talks. The AI talks, I'd hoped to find more that I really liked, but as you can guess, was dominated by generative AI talks and chat GPT related talks. And I did feel like some of the talks were a little bit full of hype about how good and useful chat GPT is. Meanwhile, I use it regularly, mostly to evaluate it and constantly experience, experience errors in what I ask it to generate. And uh, I did hear one great talk though, that talked about Remember that these things are basically good at mimic mimicry. They're not sentient. They don't have consciousness. They they do have some intelligence, but it's intelligence. It's a trained intelligence on a corpus of data. And so, what they really are is good mimics. And um, you know that 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 means that the role of the artist and the human is safe for quite a while longer. It doesn't mean they can't be good productivity tools. They can for certain things, but but not for everything. And I, I saw a number of talks about generative AI and the pros and cons and limitations and future and whatnot. And by the way, I'm a big fan of generative AI. I'm just not a big fan of that it's good for everything. And especially telling the truth. <laughs> I, I, I tend to find most people are on the same page in that regard, that it's not a good thing for everything. The, the, more, the more interesting talk that I had in that regard uh, actually wove in the metaverse ecosystem a little bit. And, and it was it, it was it was this interesting conversation that wove together the implication of the blockchain and the NFTs, which which was really kind of last year's conversation. Everyone wove that together with museums and and how to bring physical museums that most people can only attend out into the digital world. And so, as you can imagine, that meant they then also brought it into the metaverse. And and it was the most interesting talk because here we are having a conversation about. Some things that we all that we already know uh, haven't been fully fleshed out yet. Cryptocurrency and NFTs and, and and the blockchain. We know it will be eventually, but it's not there yet. With with a very practical, pragmatic need in society for some solutions. How do we monetize museums? How do we bring education to the masses? Into then the metaverse, which which most people still don't necessarily understand exactly what that entails. Right? Is it is it VR with headsets? Is it Fortnite? Is it is it some sort of video game experience? Is it an immersive experience? And what need what made the conversation neat was it was one of the one of the few circumstances where the first time I've heard that the disruption of a sector of our economy, thanks to technology, the disruption of it, will in fact create new jobs as opposed to destroying a lot of jobs. Because a lot of what we're seeing with AI, what a lot of what we're seeing with with this generative technology is that. There's this concern of it eliminating jobs. But when you appreciate how existing technologies work together with existing economies, you can start to piece together how that will enable other artists, other creators, other 
other educators, in this case, in the museum industry, to find new ways to work, to find new ways to monetize, and to find new ways for the economy to thrive. That was probably the most exciting conversation I've had. And, it, and it's that was even the most exciting conversation I, I, I was a part of. Or it was exciting because just before that was a panel on sex in space, which, of course, I tweeted out. And that had everybody laughing a little bit and joking about whether or not that was SpaceX and whether or not Elon Musk was there for SpaceX. <laughs> it was entertaining. It was entertaining, but it was also thought provoking because they were very serious about it. It was it was about the, the research involved in, uh, in in fertilization in space and how we're actually going to uh, be able to thrive when we move beyond this planet. But at the same time, they made it as entertaining and enjoyable as you would expect of such a conversation. <laughs> well, I'm going to double down on you on metaverse there. And, you know, I've been one of these people for the uh, last few years, not the last year, but for the few years before that who was not a big proponent of metaverse technologies. And I confess I'd not read Neil's, um, uh, uh, why am I forgetting Neil's last name? Uh, Snow Crash, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash until- The original work, the original work, or considered the original work on this page. That's right, until about a year ago, actually for an Austin Forum online discussion of that book. And it somehow it all clicked in there for me. And I was reminded that- uh, you know, metaverse and cyberspace are not the same thing. Sometimes people equate those, say, oh, we've always had a metaverse. I've always had an identity and bulletin board X or community Y. That's that's not metaverse. Metaverse has a spatial component. It doesn't have to be a realistic spatial component, but it has a spatial component that leverages the brain's visual processing capability. And so much of our brain power is built around visual processing. Sight is our strongest sense. If, if you're not visually impaired, that's our strongest sense. Even if you are, you have spatial reasoning capability. And by leveraging what the brain is and has and does, you can present information in a way that is more consumable, more organizable and whatnot. And so while I totally get it for gaming and there's great examples of metaverse type games right now, um, the, the best technical talk I saw was by Sam Glassenberg of Level X, and he talked about the medical metaverse and how you can use metaverse and related technologies like digital twins to train doctors much better because they can do things over and over. And you can even have haptic responses for certain things in this so that they have a feel of what it's like to you know open, to, open a surgical opening in a, in a, in a body. And so they can they can just train over and over and over on some of these rather difficult procedures. Um, even turns out even intubation to do it right is a bit tricky, but you can train in a way that doesn't hurt anyone, doesn't require an unlimited supply of cadavers, et cetera. And uh, I, I really believe that uh, we're on the cusp of seeing metaverse technologies help people design spaces better and make them more efficient and sustainable to uh, this medical metaverse was, was fascinating. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the metaverse. Pro and I, I, he and I both don't quite get why somebody wants to go into a, a metaverse and pay to design a creative digital avatar and then pay for a bunch of clothes in that metaverse. But I totally get that people want to, and that is a form of creativity and it is a form of entertainment and it is becoming a cultural thing, but I'm I'm very excited about the practical uses that are starting to emerge from metaverse technologies. I'm I'm excited to I'm excited by the fact that this this year at uh, we we were in Funded House 
at Wax Myrtle this year. So everybody has a bit of context of, of my worldview as coming into these things. And, and we had a great discussion there, thanks to Innovation Bridge Europe and the new Dutch wave, a lot, a lot of the, the European ecosystem. I, I, was, I was thrilled to hear their very tangible definition of the metaverse on, on a panel. They characterized or, or impressed upon the fact that the video game industry has been, has been in the metaverse for decades. That there's there's nothing new about this space other than other sectors starting to adopt it. And, and what I'm referring to is Jay, your, the point that you just made that it, it's it's a space that you can interact with beyond a, a page or beyond a social media experience or beyond an app on your phone. It's an environment that you can interact with. Well, that's been around since World of Warcraft. That's been around since Second Life. That's been around for for 15 years and and, and more. And and. And what what made the talk interesting was that it was about the entertainment implications beyond existing metaverse. That that the video game industry makes more money combined than the film and music business. It dwarfs the other two. And so as we look to how the music industry, how the how the film industry is going to survive through technology, what was touched on is the fact that many artists are now making more money by doing concerts in Fortnite. Many artists are making more money by releasing films to, to younger people on Roblox than they are by going the traditional panels. And, and those are metaverse environments because you get into the world, you put on your outfit, you, you move around, you experience it, you dance. You know, and, and, and I, I, like you, I can't quite imagine buying things, pay, literally paying for things to dress up my avatar. But at the same time, I can't quite imagine watching a concert in VR or watching a concert on my laptop through Fortnite and my character is dancing, but I'm not. I can't, I, I don't have my head quite wrapped around that idea yet, but the fact is people are doing it. Millennials, Gen X, excuse me, Millennials, Gen Y, and, and even Gen Alpha uh, is, is much more attuned to that environment than, than we are. And, and frankly, I think that's important to appreciate and understand that we in our age, in our demographic, in our generation, we're much more attuned to the internet than anybody before us. So, yes. so as long as you look to what young people are naturally experiencing, it's just a part of their lives, we know that will be a big part of the future economy. Uh, I agree with, uh, strongly with all of that. And I, I, it actually wanted, made me want to come back to gaming. So metaverse technologies have been driven by entertainment, including gaming, but as you mentioned, not exclusively gaming. Gaming, which not everybody realizes, is a bigger business than Hollywood box office and recorded music. And it's interesting because we all go to movies, we all listen to music, but gaming is a bigger business than both of those. Imagine. That's, that's pretty staggering, but it, but it, in a way, that's really good for all of us because gaming drives advances in technologies, not just in displays and GPUs, which are very important, um, but but also even in like the gaming engines um, that are now being used for scene creation in shows like The Mandalorian that are being used in practical metaverse applications to create realistic uh, structures in it that people need to navigate and whatnot. So. I, I was I was very impressed. I'm not an avid gamer, but I'm incredibly impressed with how big that sector is, how creative it is, and how much the technologies it's driving benefit non-gaming areas now. Yeah, and, and take it take it then backward from the conversation we've been having. We've talked a little bit about AI. We've talked a little bit about cybersecurity. Everybody, 
We talked about the metaverse. If you want to understand how and where those technologies are likely to evolve most, or certainly substantially, actually look to gaming because they're already doing it. The, the, the cybersecurity industry is already heavily involved in the gaming space because of the transactional nature of gaming, whether it's on a mobile device or it's or it's in, in, in a PlayStation game or an Xbox game. Young people, or heck, myself included, I'm a gamer, we're, we're transacting there in commerce. We're buying things. And so there is a payments industry there. There's a cybersecurity issue there. There's a privacy issue and concern there. And AI is what's creating these generated environments, these, these environments that can change based on how you interact with them. That's artificial intelligence. They're leading the way. And, and, and it's yeah. really neat to see folks in other industries, other if you're in the automotive industry, if you're in the, in the aerospace industry, it's always exciting to me see, to see them realize that they can learn the implications of these technologies simply by appreciating what's going on in gaming. So agree with most of that, but I'm going to counter a little bit of that. First of all, we both agree that gaming is driving some technology advances that benefit non-gaming areas. We agree that it's a very large entertainment sector. I do think enterprise is driving AI advances more than gaming is. And I do think enterprise and government are driving cybersecurity advances more than gaming is. But it does all fold into each other. And these technologies fertilize each other. And that's, again, that's one of the beauties of South by Southwest. It's not a cybersecurity conference or an AI conference or a climate tech conference or a gaming conference. It's a chance to really see the interplay of these technologies, how gaming technologies are impacting enterprise and industry applications and vice versa, for example. And I'm, and I'm seeing that. I saw that this year in my experience with EDU. As EDU, if you haven't been before, I would encourage at least looking at the schedule next year and considering some things, everyone, that, that it, it's a much more subdued conference or, or part of the experiences you can imagine, but it overlapped with interactive. And most of the conversation at EDU was about streaming media. It was about the metaverse. It was about gaming. It was about AI. It was about cybersecurity. We were having the exact same conversations with the university system, with the college system, because we have a generation of young people coming up who need to learn about these things. We have a decade or so of educators in those systems who are desperately trying to keep up with these things and understand how to pass that knowledge on. And, and, it, and, and it makes Jay's point more crystal in my mind that this is all interactive. It is, it is all one experience in which one sector actually feeds on the other I agree with you, Jay. There actually is more, thanks to Microsoft, thanks to thanks to the government in cybersecurity and AI. There's more that's being developed there, but but it's often the entertainment side that drives the awareness and the adoption and the business models and the money for the consumer elements that are important to whatever is going on in the enterprise innovation and 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 R and D of a sector. Seeing that all happen together is I think what enables the entrepreneurs and the innovators and the people who inspire the future. That's what enables them to figure out what's next. Agreed. Um, let's uh, let's wrap up with our, our final technology observations before we get into our recommendations for our listeners. Um, I'll say for my final technology observations, I was surprised at the uh, lack of direct content about social media. And I'll, I'll get to why I say direct, a lot of indirect talk about it in terms of monetization of data and things like that. 
uh, that, that people collect through those tools. But I, I, I expected to see more about the problems of social media and whatnot. And I, I'm not an anti-social media. I'm a pro-social media person, pro-responsible usage of social media and protection of privacy and, and so on. Didn't see as much about that, but I was very pleased to see a lot of climate tech talks. So I opened this session by talking about quantum computing, a future technology that I believe is inevitable, if not tomorrow. Uh, climate is one of those things that the climate change effects are, are being noticed each year. The disaster scenario is still a number of years out, but the need to take action is now. So I was pleased to see lots of, of content uh, related to that. But the, the the technology trend there, I said I'd get back to social media, that I, I was very happy to see was there was a lot of talk about digital identity and trust and privacy and owning your own data. And this all, of course, relates indirectly to social media because that's one of the ways your data is harvested, not the only way, but that your data is collected and monetized and used in, in various ways and for you know various degrees of good versus bad. I was very pleased to see that digital identity, privacy, and trust was a theme in many talks at South by Interactive this year. And I hope that this bodes well for people being more aware of how their data is being used and wanting to take some ownership and have some degree of control over that. You you touch on why I can only continue to stress that everyone needs to be at South by Southwest. And that's that in, in every experience that I've had there, you find the very forward-looking, very, very futuristic kind of, you know, this this probably isn't going to work, but we're going to have to talk about it. And then you find then you find the more pragmatic and practical. Whew, now now what do we do about it? And then and then you also find the the founders and the entrepreneurs looking at what's been disrupted, what people are trying to understand. You also find the entrepreneurs and the founders and the startups trying to think about how to change things for the better. And and my point is, you're right. There was an exceptional number of conversations about privacy and security, about digital identity. And about trust, and and my point is, I I think that that's because last year, and and really even before last year, although we were under quarantine, the hot topic was blockchain and NFTs and cryptocurrency, and and that and that was the forward talk at that point. Well, now it's the real talk, and and we've learned to stop saying cryptocurrency. We've learned to stop saying blockchain. We've learned instead to look at those technologies. And try to figure out how to make them pragmatic and real because they are a part of the economy. They are a part of our world now. Let's have a normal, pragmatic conversation about them to figure out how to implement them into our worlds and what we're doing. Yeah. But, but the conversation that, to answer your question, the conversation that actually did surprise me the most in technology, did surprise me, I'm pleased to see it, was in logistics. Uh, I saw at least six different talks about shipping, logistics, last mile delivery. Uh, drone delivery, even even uh, what's called micro warehousing, uh, the the fact that we've got really small properties throughout the world that make it a lot easier for retail, for small business, for uh, honestly even perhaps for an Amazon or a Walmart to to instead of having the massive warehouse that they have to ship from, instead of having small warehouses, micro warehouses spread throughout the country, making it really easy to do last mile delivery on demand of just about everything. That was a surprising set of conversations in tech. How cybersecurity, how AI, some of the things that we've been talking about, but more than that, how just traditional data 
commerce and other sectors are going to benefit from what's going on in shipping and logistics as we become a much smaller smaller world, a global economy. And at the same time, as we try to figure out how to have much more meaningful direct impact on the world in which we live locally, a lot of that was even tied to climate tech. Your point, Jay, was even tied to climate tech and energy tech because the less that we need to use infrastructure or the things that we want to buy and sell and, and ship and consume, the better. It's going to be a better place for our world. So think of logistics and what as well as something that was pretty substantial this year. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that interests me about logistics, again, is I know this sounds crazy to some of our listeners at first, but hear me out, is quantum computing. One of the great uses for quantum computing will be when we can build bigger systems that stay coherent longer, have less noise, less need for, and we improve error correction, is the big optimization problems. And logistics is one of those. Uh, financial portfolio assessment of risk is is one of those. Um there's 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 a lot of potential uses for it. It's still again years out, but uh, uh, I, I agree. There was a lot of discussion of. I mean, the pandemic made us all aware of global supply chains as being a problem and logistics issues. In fact, I used to use global supply chain as my excuse for everything. If I was late for dinner, I'd say, "Ah, oh, it's a global supply chain issue." But uh, <laughs> he seemed to be uh, working towards solutions to that. Um, that's that's going to be a problem as we work towards that solution. Your excuse yeah. is going to go away. That's right. So, Paul, I want to uh, close here with recommendations so that our listeners have, hopefully they found this entertaining. Hopefully they have intuited a reason for attending things like South by Southwest Interactive. And maybe they'll go online and, as you said, read some of the articles that come out after this. Uh, some of the content is available online as well. But let's go over recommendations. Well, first of all, for companies, why should companies send their C-level execs or their staff to South by Southwest Interactive? You, you cannot find an environment or an experience in the world. In the, in the world. Oh, oh, South by Southwest is a conference. It's a trade show. It's a series of activations. It's an economic development week. You mm-hmm. cannot find a conference that has so many different types of experiential events in one place. And so B-level execs, Benefit most, I find, when they're purposeful about the sectors in which they want to focus and having meetings and conversations with people that they can be face-to-face with, perhaps for the first time. That everything else to a C-level exec should be interesting, intriguing, inspiring, or entertaining. Make the most of the fact that somewhere between 80,000 and 150,000, depending on who you ask, (laughs) somewhere between that number of people Depend, descend on Austin for South by Southwest from throughout the world. There is no opportunity like that to, to sit down over coffee or dinner. Uh, by, by my last count at, at Funded House, we had 26 different countries come through for panels and talks and meetings, 26 different countries. Mm-hmm. That's the way to think about uh, your work and your time for, for South by Southwest as a company. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna amplify that because I agree with it so strongly. Um, it's it's been clear from our conversation so far, but let's just state it explicitly. You're, we bring together so many areas of technology in one place, and so many applications of those technologies and their influence in music, film, gaming, society, etc. 
There's just nothing else with the scale and breadth and diversity of overlapping technologies and applications. It says, if you want to focus on AI, it's not the best AI conference in the world. It's not the best quantum computing conference in the world. It's not the best gaming conference in the world. It's not the best cybersecurity conference, but it's good in all of those things. And it's better than the sum of its parts because it's the one place where you can really come and see the interplay. Uh, I shouldn't say the one place. It's the largest and most creative place where you can come and see the interplay of all these technologies. So in no way would I suggest attending South by Interactive and not attending professional conferences in your area of tech expertise. I would say everybody should attend it in addition to those. And, and don't then go and only sign up for things in your uh, professional day-to-day -day job area. Go there with an open mind to balancing some, go to some of that, but also go to look at sort of adjacent technologies, technologies your company may need to adopt in the future or probably needs to adopt in the future, or at least be aware of because your competitors may be adopting it in a creative way. One of the one of the more difficult bits, bits of advice, not difficult, but but challenging bits of advice that I'd offer everyone is to really appreciate your personality. And 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 here's why. Whether whether you're a C level or you're a, an engineer or you're a you're a startup founder, this is a conference that is what you make of it. And if and if you arrive thinking that everything's going to gravitate around you and it's going to be there for you, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, now that doesn't mean you have to hustle and shake hands. I'm a very type A. I'm a super. I was at six super connector events this this past week. I am a super connector. I love meeting people fast. I like having a five minute conversation. I, I got 2,000 business cards, and I'm pretty sure I got through 1,200. Imagine getting through 1,200 business cards. That's my personality, right? If that's not your personality, don't go trying to be that or do that. But, but instead, go and be what you are best. If you are the type of person who prefers intimate meetings, book intimate meetings. If you are the type of person who just wants to sit in some sessions and learn some things, you have that opportunity, unlike anywhere else in the world. So as a C-level exec, for example, as we wrap up that point, as a C-level exec, if you are the type of person who can speak and likes to speak and is capable of being in front of an audience, organize your company and organize your team to design those panels and those opportunities. If you're not that kind of person, don't bother because there's more than enough opportunity to either learn or to connect with other people or to bring 2,000 business cards and go meet absolutely everybody you possibly can. That's that's what's neat about South by Southwest. Figure out figure out what's best for you and lean in on that, because it's not a conference designed for anyone in particular. It's more so a conference and an experience designed for absolutely everyone, from the education to the entertainment business, as we've been talking with 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 interactive in the middle of that. That that's great. I I think we've shared some really good reasons that C level execs and tech professionals should attend South by Southwest Interactive um, and that they can track the ramifications of this year's in the articles that will be coming out over in the following weeks. They can see some of the content online, but to incorporate a, a conference like this into their planning so they don't get tunnel vision on one technology, that they really understand multiple and the applications of them. So that's, that's for companies and for tech professionals and C-level execs. What about professionals in non-tech companies and consumers, you know, individuals. 
Why, what, what is your recommendations for them about South by Southwest Interactive? Go to learn. I, I, I don't even have a substantial recommendation, although I, as you can tell, I've, I, I'm prone to talk and elaborate. <laughs> but, <laughs> but frankly, the advice is go to learn. It, it, it is, it, uh, now I won't say it's one of the only because there are many places to go to learn, but South by Southwest is one of the great conferences where you are going to find the innovators, the people that are doing the research, the people that are in R&D. You're going to find those individuals along with the companies that are trying to figure out what to do with it, along with founders and the entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out how to disrupt it or make it better. That combination of people in the same place means that for you as a consumer or you as a professional working in some of these industries, there is no other opportunity so great as to sit down with them and just listen to learn how things actually work to learn how things actually are with cybersecurity and AI. You know, if you're reading the headlines on Twitter or you're reading the articles in the news, keep in mind that pragmatic reality that you, you've got to trust but verify. You've got, to, you've got to double check everything you hear when it comes to social media. Well, the best place to do that is to sit down with everyone who's actually working in it, who's actually doing it and come learn from them, come have a conversation with them so that you can go back to the office or you can go back home and you can participate in technology that's changing the world in a much safer, much more experienced, and much more realistic way than the sensationalization, uh, sensationalizations that you see in the headlines. Hundred uh, percent agree, Paul. I, I I recommend individuals and workers in non-tech companies go, as you said, learn is the most important thing. But it, it's it's learning in an environment where you can learn from. A, a expert speaker on a stage. You can learn from one-on-one -on -one conversations with people you meet. You can learn in an activation where a, a company is sharing its thought leadership about certain technologies. It's just, a, it's a great way to learn. And we should all be trying to learn more in the technology era because we're in a, we're in an era now where we have seen the birth and death of various technologies within our lifetime. It's not like agrarian times where, you know, knowledge was good for centuries or industrial era where it was good for decades. In the technology era, things change rapidly and there's more to know and it changes faster. And I think opportunities, even if you have to take vacation to do it, I, I recommend people go to South by Interactive so that they have a better big picture view of technology and society, which is frankly, why we're so pleased they're one of the sponsors of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. And we're such advocates of the programming they do, which was an inspiration for the programming that we do. So we encourage everybody to come to the Austin Forum events and we, or watch them online if you're somewhere else in the world. And we uh, encourage people to attend conferences like South by Southwest Interactive. I don't have anything to add to that. That's exactly how you should wrap the show, everyone. That's exactly so. <laughs> that's exactly the reminder to come to South by Southwest next year with the fact that technology is going to change so much in the next 12 months. It's not even going to be easy for us to predict what the conversation will be next year. And so you stick around with the Austin Forum between now and then to keep tabs on things in this city. Thanks, right. Jay. Paul, thanks for joining today. Look forward to seeing you again in person real soon. And uh, thanks for doing this uh, podcast for the Austin Forum Upload. My pleasure. Always great to be here. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org.
The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas. <laughs>